Good evening. My name is Anthony Stander and I pastor a church called Living Waters Community Fellowship in Tableview in Cape Town at, uh, on Sunday at 10 a.m. And if you've got nowhere to go, you're welcome to join us. I also represent Frontline Fellowship, which is a missionary organization. And at this moment, we have thousands of tracks that we are able to, for free distribution, with track names like Alive in Christ, God Loves You, Who Do You Say That I Am, Bible Study on Matthew, Way to God, Power of God, Satan versus Christ, Help from Above, Who Am I? And it's in different languages, in English, Sasutu, Tsonga, Koza, Zulu, Afrikaans, and Chichewe. And you're welcome to um, uh, come and fetch some of these tracks for free. And you can find that at Frontline Fellowship at Livingston House, 28 Park Road, Rondebosch. And the telephone numbers you need to phone for an appointment is 021-689-4480. So you're most welcome to come and fetch some tracks to use in the ministry. My message tonight is entitled, Come Up Here. And the scripture is taken from Revelations 4 verse 1, our opening scripture. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. We see the Apostle John is in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, that Sunday, first day of the week. Early believers celebrated the first day of the week as the Lord's Day. So the Apostle is in the Spirit, and he hears many things. But he also hears a voice telling him to come up here. And I believe the Lord is saying to the modern day church today, come up here. Come up and see what? Well, picture, picture an ocean liner, one with multiple decks, lots of them. God is in the bridge setting the course. I am on the deck, unable to see where we are heading. Nevertheless, trusting and occasionally peering out the portal, but not getting much of a picture. The captain invites me up to the bridge for a full view of where we're heading. What a privilege to be there and see the whole picture. From the bridge I can see all around me. That's why we need to come up where the Lord is to see the bigger picture. We need to step up. We, st we need to stop looking around us at minor things, uh, minor things around us and getting caught up in all kinds of nonsense. And we need to step up in God's word and see the bigger picture. We need to come out of poverty, come out of addictions, come out of backsliding, come out of the ordinary and get into the extraordinary. How long will we lie in the miry clay? How long must we often suffer needlessly? It's enough already. It's enough of defeat, enough of reading God's promises but never being able to receive them. Break the change, change our lives and come up. And then the Lord says he will show you things that must take place in our future. In other words, come up to a place where the promises of God are yes and amen. Come up to a place where we walk with God. Come up to a place that you have never been before. John lived in the same world in which we live, in the midst of brokenness and suffering. But he looked and behold an open door, open into heaven. A door that, give, that we walk through that gives comfort, encouragement, perspective. An open door of power, promise and praise. From Revelations 1.9 we learn John was in exile, banned to a lonely island, destitute on account of a, of a persecution because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. John's world then had become very small, a little island in a big sea. He was powerless 
to break out of it. He was in a type of a lockdown. John sees Jesus' works. He'd seen his miracles, his power. The blind received the sight, the lame walked, lepers were cleansed. He'd seen Jesus arrested, crucified, broken, dead, and by the power of God, Christ had risen from the dead. He saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the enormous growth of the church, and then John's world fell apart. Stephen was martyred. Persecution broke out against the church. The gospel continued to be preached, but the mass converts of the early days no longer occurred. False doctrine had crept into the church and Gnosticism. Tradition tells us that Roman, the Roman governor tried to kill John and put him, boil him in oil. You know, but it didn't succeed. Tradition tells us he swam around saying, love one another, and the Roman governor pulled him out and sent him to Patmos, the island. Friends like Antipas had also been martyred by, he was martyred terribly by burning in a brazen bull shaped like a demonic altar. Jesus mentioned him to the church. Churches were instituted throughout Asia Minor, but they're small and beset with strife. In Revelations 2 and 3, Christ relates to John his church reports. And what does he say? Not all good things. Many things that he said could be said to our churches today. Number one, if Ephesus, he says that the place is doctrinally sound, but they've lost their first love. And I think that can be said about many Christians today. You, know, you, you could be doctrinally sound, but you've lost that fire for our Lord Jesus Christ. Two, Smyrna. Jesus says that difficult days are ahead for persecution is coming. If we listen, the Holy Spirit will warn us when, when trying times are coming. Three, Pergamos is internally divided. There's a group known as the Nicolaitans who want to build a compromise with the world, who think that light can coexist with darkness. Thaitra, the church of Thaitra, allows Jezebel to belong in their midst and so tolerates idolatry in the church. Sardis, Jesus says, is dead. Philadelphia, on the other hand, is good, alive. But Jesus adds his church is weak, ineffective in their community, and the powerful works of the early church are not there. Isn't that a snapshot even of today? And the Laodicean church is lukewarm. What a terrible uh, thing to happen to us, to get lukewarm. Are you lukewarm? We need to repent and and. Get on fire again for our Lord Jesus Christ. What would our Lord Jesus say to the modern church today? For today's church is full of fear about plagues, the future. I hear Christians always talking about how bad everything is. The Christians who should be strong in a, in a tree that others might find shelter in or, and, and full of faith at this time are scared of plagues, lack of electricity and the future exactly like the world. We are to be the light of the world. Say, we will live and declare the work of the Lord. Say, we will be healed and recover. Say, can I pray for you when people are afraid? Can you ask them if you can pray for them? You know, don't ask me if you come to church or not. If you're sick or in trouble, cause us for prayer and recover. Gather new strength at home. If you don't know what to do, ask the Lord about what you should do. I accept that not all Christians have grown healing faith. But listen to your conscience and obey the Lord. We need to get radically devoted to the Lord. Christians on fire, 
All we see is the Word of God in front of us. It's the lamp unto our feet. We are not to look to the left or to the right. You know what I mean? We will sweep the dark forces out of our way ahead of us. We are to be obedient to the Lord, soldiers for Christ. You weren't given armor to sit at home and whistle Dixie in front of your TV. We're given armor, a sword and a shield, offensive and defensive weapons. We're to drive the darkness out instead of doing nothing. Thank God our salvation is not according to our own faith only, but is a gift of God or few would make it. Be brave and strong at this time, not defeated and fearful. It's not an option. Defeat is not in our language as Christians. You know, if, if, if we fall, we fall with our flags flying. If we go down, we go down flags flying in a battle charge against the enemy. No surrender, no retreat. God expects us to do the impossible. He expected a man called Luther H. Bridges to play the role of Job and keep on singing. He was a young pastor who was away in another city for a series of meetings. The phone rang late one night and a friend had to tell him of the tragic news. Fire had swept through his home and his wife and two children had died in the flames. He dropped the receiver, ran out of the hotel into the empty morning streets. He walked for a long time trying to get self-control. He came to a river and felt a compulsion to end his life and be reunited with his family. Life seemed impossible, absolutely impossible. Maybe you there today. He couldn't make it on his own. It was a terrible struggle, but he knew it was God's will that he press on into that impossible future. Years later, he married again and raised a second family. He became best known for his song that has been sung by millions. And the refrain of the song goes, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my ever longing, keeps me singing as I go. Jesus kept him singing because he was able to look beyond the impossible circumstances and his own weaknesses, you know, he could look beyond that and he could look to the Lord on the throne and to God's ultimate promises. Paul was going through deep waters and he writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Isn't that wonderful? You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what incoming, what artillery we're taking from the enemy. You know, no matter how hard and how dark our situation looks, we never give up. We're always thanking God and praising Him no matter what. You know, people can say to you, how's it going? You can say, it's going hard, but I'm trusting God and He's going to bring us through even though it may seem totally impossible to you. We need to change the way we talk, the way we carry ourselves, and the way we wield the sword of God's word uh, against the forces of this world. What kept him pressing on being not weary in well-doing, but serving and singing the praise of the Lord? He tells us the end of the chapter in verses 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. When should we lose heart? Never. Paul says we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Get some faith, church. You know what I mean? Read God's word and tell it. You, you, if you have to read 20 chapters to pick yourself up, that's what you read. 
If you're to read Psalms and cry and weep, do it until the light of God shines in front of you and you can step up again, lock shields with your soldiers around us and, and go forward. So we fix our eyes on, what is, on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What a paradox. The way Paul copes with the impossible is by doing the impossible. We're always going forward. We're always fighting. We all you know, never give up. He focuses his eyes on what cannot be seen. By seeing the unseen and eternal, he's able to be victorious in the visible world of suffering. This teaching runs through the Bible. It is one of the primary messages of the book of Revelations. The perspectives on which you see life makes all the difference in the world. We want to ride on John's coattails as he soars beyond space where no man has gone before except the Son of Man and possibly Paul. We're always climbing up. We always hope. We always have hope. There's no surrender. We're going to win. You're going to overcome that terrible financial difficulty that you're going to pray and you're going to ask God and He's going, you're going to look to Him for deliverance and we're going to look to Him for deliverance from the addictions that bind us like chains. We'll break them off in Jesus' name. You know, we could say I'm not blessed because things didn't go right. But we can say we are blessed because we are in Christ. You know, the situation in the world may not be blessed. It may not look blessed at this time. But there's coming a great glory for us, you know, whether in this world or the next. And so we win in the end. We are never defeated. Revelations 4.1 After these things. John looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. The way the verb is written in the Greek indicates that the door once set open was once set open and now stays open. This door did not shut and will not shut. And John is invited to pass through the door himself. What does John see? He saw a throne. And we understand the throne represents authority and government. On the throne, John saw one sitting. Who did he see sitting on the throne? A king sitting. He's not riding out to battle, not working to overcome challenges against his throne, but he's seated securely on that throne. There are no threats to his dominion. He's king triumphant. This king is like Jasper, Sardis. He who sits on the throne is divine. He's the ruling one, Psalm 45 tells us. The Jasper is clear and bright. It is possible that it is the same as a diamond and it speaks of firmness. This comparison reminds us that our God is firm and unchanging. The sardine stone is a blood-red stone. John sees a sea of glass, like crystal in its clarity. The sea of glass again pointed up to the majesty of the one who sat on the throne. Jesus Christ our Lord who sits upon the throne, to whom the elders cry in Revelations 14, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. When I look to Jesus Christ like that, you know, when I see who he is and the King of glory, I know that nothing on this earth compares to that. And I know all power and authority is in his name. And I can use it like a mighty sword and weapon against the circumstances and the darkness that surrounds us. And we will overcome in Jesus' name. 
I believe Jesus was calling out to the backslidden, some ineffective churches to step up out of fear. Get out of it. Anxiety, depression, hopelessness, and gaze upon him and get a new vision of life and faith. I believe that many Christians never enter the plan of God. You know, they, 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 you know, you've heard the story of maybe of the uh, of the eagle that grew up with turkeys, and he was scratching all his life. He scratched around in the dirt, you know, and picking in the sand for food. And one day, an eagle landed in the tree and said, "What are you doing down there? You're an eagle. Come up here." And the eagle flapped his wings once, twice and got off the ground and realized he was born to be an eagle, but he'd been living like a chicken. I think lots of Christians are like that. We don't break through into victory, into Christ's victory that he has already got for us. We don't get there. We stay scratching in the dirt and not looking up. Get a new vision of life and faith in, in God's word. So we are to achieve victory. You to be an eagle. They are saved but never see great miracles or experience healing or win souls. You know, I've seen that so many Christians, they live a, uh, they don't live a supernatural life, you know. They, they, they get on and I'm sure they're blessed and going to heaven. But when they realize what they could have been in this world, I think they're going to be very upset or sad that they could have done greater things for Christ. We're always saying that God has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And I believe it's true for those who apply themselves to finding out God's will for their lives. You've got to step forward. You've got to start moving. You've got to seek. You've got to knock. You've got to move on and into these things of God. We have to do something to enter the plan of God. When we are born again, we are forgiven, washed, cleansed by the blood of the land, given a brand new start. But I believe what we do in the kingdom is up to us. If you never read your Bible, you're never going to grow great faith. If you don't spend time in prayer, you're not going to know God like you should. You know, it's, it's up to us. What are you going to do with God? Is what God has given us. All the gifts and power of God is given for service. Look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know. It was for witnessing. It was in Acts 1.8. And you shall be my witnesses. You know, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, are given to us to reach the lost at any cost. Turn the world around. Many of you remember, however you and your theology understands the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and you get excited about it. But if we're truthful with ourselves, how have we used that dunamis, that power in Acts 1.8, that word power is dunamis, the Greek where we get the word dynamite from. How have you used that dynamite power to win souls and change the world around us for Christ? And I think many Christians' spiritual cup has become empty because we did nothing with the gift. And it's an empty cup inside of us. We're living like normal men on the earth with a pie-in-the-sky theology and we are scared as the world. You have that same power in you that raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, and we what are we doing with it? So one day we might find that all the power of heaven was available to us to change our world around us. Take a decision. Take a step forward. Come up. Leave the things of this world, the boundaries of this world. Take God's word and run with it. When you get saved, when you give your life to Christ, it's what he wills that counts, Jesus. 
And often what he wills is the opposite of what you and I want. You know, I often hear people say, I'm visiting churches to see, find a nice, comfortable church where I can cool off, you know, it's nice seats and everything's so nice. And <laughs> the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come when they do not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap themselves up teachers. You know, we want to go where the message is the best and we, we tickled every Sunday. We told how wonderful we are. And the reality is that you should be going to the church that needs you, actually. You know, not where you have all the comforts, sit and do nothing for Christ or and everything is so wonderful. The body of Christ needs your gifts and knowledge down where the battle is fought in the blood and the guts of the ministry where it's hard, where the broken are, where people's lives are shattered. We, we, they need you there. And you might find that in those big comforts. I'm not talking against those churches. I'm saying you need to be where you could be used in the, in the hardship, pain, and struggle of the world where we enter into that battle. We're not worried about our seats and the music and fog machines necessarily. We want to go where God, where say, send me, Lord, where you need me where the battle is hardest. Put me in the hardest part of the fight. You know, we got one life, one chance to make a difference for Christ. Let's step up. Let's go for it. Let's, let's, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get betrayed. You're going to get denied in the church. Hurt people, hurt people. So what? Christ went through that for us and we follow him. We need to stop this business of trying to find the most comfortable church where we're never going to do anything. Find a church that's going to challenge you and where you can help, and where you can do the work of God. We should ask the Lord, where does he want us? And it's often not where we like want to be, because the message we are hearing there at the church of God sending us uh, are more like broccoli and not pudding. But there's time to eat broccoli, and there's time to eat pudding. But right now may be the time that you need some hard messages to wake us up. Vegetable messages are things like, be holy as I'm holy. Love one another. Put away the sins that so easily beset us. Putting his scriptures like the Lord will deliver you, the Lord will cause his face to shine upon you, give you peace, joy unspeakable, and slow motion in the cornfields. Church, if you want to come up this year, it's got to be God first, kingdom of God first. You can't separate the two. I've heard people say it's God first, then my family, then my business, then the church. Excuse me, God and his kingdom go together. They are one. And your family is part of the kingdom of God. You surrendered everything to the Lord, including your business, your family, your sport, your boat, when you committed your life and everything that you have to him, to his lordship. You've surrendered to him. He's to be, obe be obe obeyed above all. Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your soul, and, and, and all your heart. I heard a sermon a while back, the pastor was saying, if you've given their life to the Lord, he'll restore the years, the locust has eaten, he'll bless you, and you'll have, you know, he was suggesting we'd have a wonderful time. I thought that's not true. Giving your life to Jesus can cost you family, friends, and sometimes even in your life. I think I read somewhere in North Korea, a Christian's life expectancy is two weeks before they hang you in baskets to starve or, or do the most terrible things to you. You know, it's not always true. To the young rich man, Jesus said, sell all that you have and come and follow me. It would have cost the rich man everything to serve Christ. And he walked away. And you know what I saw in that account? Jesus never followed him. 
he made his choice. He didn't go hang on his ankles and say, please come back. He let him go. He'd made his choice. To be saved means a complete surrender of all that we have, earthly, emotional, and spiritual. It means a coming up to the heights of God's kingdom, obedience to God's word, and the wonder of God's kingdom. That's what it means, entering in. And it's going to mean war and battle. You issued with armor for war against the dark forces and to help those that are lost and broken. Shields to cover those that are hurting and being damaged by devils all their lives. Swords to drive off the enemy from the battlefields around us. It costs God everything for you and I to be saved. It'll cost you everything in your walk. But in return, you'll be born again, have a brand new start. You'll enter into and find the plan of life uh, for your life that God has for you. You'll have communion with the God of the universe. You'll have eternal life after that with incredible purpose and you'll find true joy and peace and happiness here on earth. So back to our text. Come up here. Revelations 4.1 After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here and I'll show you things which must take place after this. And Revelations 4.2 says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, John said. When we decide to come up here, we also will be in immediately in God's will in, and in the Spirit of God. What happened next? And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Revelations 4.3 And he who sat was like a jasper, sardis, and a stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, an appearance like an emerald. When we come up here, I see such a typology here. John was in a prison like we are in our own lives, you know, with addictions and things that bind us and laziness to do the work of God and lack of reading God's word. We are too on, in a prison. And John was in, on the island of Patmos. And he hears a voice come up here. So he leaves the prison, obeys the Lord in the spirit and immediately goes in the spirit and he sees the Lord. I think so it is us when we start to obey the Lord. We get filled with the Spirit. We start to sense the presence of, of God through His Word. We start being obedient to Him. We sense the happiness, the joy, and the love of Christ. We start loving those we've never been able to love before. We start changing our world around us. And we have a real revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And we're utterly blown away. And I tell you, your friends and your family will say, you have changed. Something's different in you. In other words, so we need to step up. We need to be obedient to the high calling of God where things become non-negotiable. It's not negotiable that I read his word. It's not negotiable that I pray. It's not negotiable that I attend church, cell group, prayer group. Even when I'm tired sometimes and I don't feel like going, I lock shields, I go. And often I come away blessed and thankful that I went in the first place. You know, the Lord never once in, in 38 years of serving the Lord has said to me, Shame, go sit in front of the TV and rest and don't be with your brothers and sisters while they're gathering. You know, we are old warriors. We need to be encouraging the young people in Christ. We go. We always go. Rain, snow, doesn't matter. You'll find us in, in the work of God, wherever the work is and where other believers are. So I've always had to go and was always blessed that I went. We need Christians sold out for Christ who truly take Matthew 6.33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. 
I've got only a couple of minutes left, but I just want to give this one last example. The Africa Impala can jump to a feet of over, height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of greater than 30 feet. Yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in any zoo with a three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they see where their feet will fall. They will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see, and with faith we are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life that only fear allows to entrap us. We can truly trust God and come up to where he's calling. My time's running out and I need to close in prayer, and thank you for listening to this. And don't forget, come fetch some trucks, tracks from Frontline Fellowship in these different languages. Use them to advance the kingdom to reach the lost. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. We, we thank you for this challenge. I pray for every heart listening here, Lord, that you would bless them and help them and help them to step up in life, Lord. I pray for those that are struggling, Lord, that you'd reach down and just help them stand on their feet, Lord, spiritually, and, and to go forward now and to give them a new vision and a new hope, Lord, that you're always with us and that you will always help us and deliver us no matter what happens, Lord. We put our trust in you, and we set our lives aflame for Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you guys. See you soon. Amen.